Well, this is the uh, last session of Gold Standard University Live, Professor Fekete. This is it. It is. It really it is. is. And I repeat my thanks to all of you for your cheerful cooperation and enthusiastic support. And perhaps we'll see each other again somewhere, sometime in the future. As I told you, I will not continue Gold Standard University apart from a short weekend session next year in March, but I will cooperate with the San Francisco School of Economics. I accepted a, an appointment from there, and uh, they do plan a course around my theories, and of course I uh, will give them, give them new input, and in fact I will go to San Francisco myself and participate in the actual working. So that's what you should look forward to if you are uh, trying to follow up uh, my work in this field. So thank you again, and also the organizers and the supporting uh, speakers, thanks, and uh, good luck to you all. We are in very difficult times, and I hope we will all make it. We are in the same boat. Okay. All right. So, um, are you going to do the uh, the final? The one? final. Okay. Uh, the final address yes. is, as announced, is the future outlook for the international monetary system. I would like to start with pointing it out to you that we face an absolutely unique situation in world history. Never ever happened before. We are facing a collapse of the entire global international monetary system. There were lots of crises and collapses of national monetary systems in the history before, but it has never ever happened that at the same time all the monetary system in the world was facing extinction. This is, if you think of it, uh, is a frightening thought. I, I am personally frightened because it's very difficult to predict uh, how far the crisis will go and also the question whether ultimately will blood flow in the streets. We don't know, but there's a danger because uh, those who are responsible for this collapse, and these are the money doctors in Washington, and uh, elsewhere because they have accomplices all over the world and I would count among them the academic economists who have been paying lip service to the present monetary system suggesting that this is the wave of the future they hail the advent of irredeemable paper money they s say Thanks God we have rationalized the monetary system. We have eliminated superstition, which is uh, represented by gold and silver. This is now passé. We have a brave new world. They have forgotten 
that they might be destroying not just the monetary system but also the source of supporting this growing population of the entire world. Because we just don't know what will happen when, when uh, the international monetary system breaks down. Will there be local currencies? Will people start trading, uh, paying? Uh, tobacco could become money or, uh, or uh, playing cards as they did in at the time America was discovered, <laughs> became money, or, or cowrie shells, or uh, just name it, there have been all kinds of, cool. we don't know, uh, and, and we know one thing, that some people will be hurt, and hurt very badly. So uh, this is not a happy occasion to talk about this. It's coming. I, I wasn't sure that I would live long enough to see it, but now I can see that it's happening before our eyes. What the, uh, just uh, give a little talk to the fact that the, uh, that, uh, the, uh, the governments, the media, the academia, have a vested interest in concealing the naked truth from you and from me because they don't want you to see the danger. They want you to believe that they have got the tools to control it. And it's, it's just unimaginable that, uh, that they don't. But I'm firmly convinced that they haven't got the answer. They have led the world into this crisis, but they haven't got any solution to the problems. The system is breaking down, and it's going to start with a deflation. That much is clear, and depression. Just how long I have to revise. I, when we started this conference, I said it was at least two years, possibly longer. Uh, what I learned from the various inputs coming from you um, makes me revise this. And I have to say, it could be shorter. It could be as uh, little as one year. We, it, things are happening just too fast. I mean, just yesterday, the Dow Jones Industrial Average went down and up, and the, the range is over a thousand points. Platinum, a, a precious metal, could the price of platinum could change by a thousand dollars an ounce. These, these numbers are are unthinkable, and it's happening. It's here. So, I don't think that the, the leaders of, and the, the uh, managers of the international monetary system have, are in control. I think this is gone. What they pretend to do is they are pretending 
to move the stick shift, but the stick shift is not connected to anything. <laughs> and and uh, uh, they always put an optimistic spin on, on what they are really catastrophic events. So I would be very doubtful about any official announcement. And that's why I offer to you the basis as one of the indicators which will not lie. This is going to give you the indication. This is what you have to watch. And of course we are working on improving our reading because you see the, it's not a clear-cut number, just one number and follow it and that will give you... No, it's a complicated thing and we have done a little bit of improvement here. Uh, somebody came to me and offered a little improvement on the concept of the basis. I started using the word the web of bases of bases of webs and then the uh, suggestion was, was it you? Yes. Could you just say a few words about this because I think this is very interesting and very valuable and I truly appreciate your input. Just a few words. Um, because this is a new science, in order to, uh, to actually develop a new science, it usually involves developing a language to help you actually grasp new concepts. And um, this concept of actually having um, degrees of basis, um, uh, because first of all, we're just talking about the basis as the difference between the spot price and the nearest future price. But it's actually come out of discussions quite useful to then start looking at the basis between uh, the first one and then the next one out. So call it second-order basis. Yes, so, it's, so I suggested that uh, part of our new language would be a first-order basis is to the nearest contract. A second-order basis or a third-order basis would maybe refer to those other relationships which whose behaviour we can study and if we can talk about them in those terms rather than saying, oh, well, the basis between, you know, this one and this develop those sorts of new languages is going to help the actual science to, um, to develop. And, and so I just suggested that is actually a dimension, that the basis has a dimension. That's right. Right? Because mm. we don't normally think about, bad, yeah. about basis having We a have a field of a derivative basis. Thank you very much. And of course, when you have higher order basis you can ask for the difference of say nth and mth order basis so then you all these spreads come into the picture and that makes up a web and then you have to when you want to look at the big picture you, you can just, just, just uh, study the behavior of the various dimensions of basis and see how they yes back. yes so uh, to ignore the higher order basis would be a mistake because at one point of the crisis nothing less than the whole the big picture will will help you so uh, this is the one thought which i would like you to take with you we are interested in the basis because the basis doesn't lie at the time when almost all the governments and all the banks and all the central banks and financial institutions are lying 
on purpose, consciously, advisedly. They are lying because it's they want to perpetuate their grip on the world. The world is in their grip. They are controlling the monetary system. They think they are, but in fact we are at the verge that the monetary system will start spinning out of control. And as although we don't know about the details, the nitty-gritty, how it will work out, and how much blood will flow on the street, these things we don't know, but we have to be prepared. So the one fixed point which you have is the basis, and then you build around it this, these concepts, and, uh, and uh, you get your information and try to uh, work out the protection. Now, that's one thought, that the basis is the uh, thing you have to keep in mind and check it, if not on a daily basis, but frequently. And of course, we are lucky to have the services which Tom is offering. And perhaps uh, you will have competition ultimately. Oh, Other I hope people. so. <laughs> oh, you hope so? You are not afraid of no, because oh, good. Hey, that'll make me try to do better. <laughs> so, no, so that's one thought. That's one thought. You keep an eye on the basis. The second thought is that the basis for gold and silver has had a definite uh, behavior which is this fall from the full carrying charge. When I started in 1971-72, went to Winnipeg as I told you and started watching this, it was a full carrying charge market. The contango was at its maximum and uh, a lot of people thought that this was going to stay, that you, this is a law of the market, that the contango tends to bounce back to its maximum. It may fall for various reasons, but then it will bounce back. And this is not what has happened. What has happened was a, an erosion of the contango. And then, as we know, there is no lower limit. Once it's, it's going into backwardation, this is a bottomless pit, and the basis could just fall into that. And what that means, you should understand, it means that gold and silver will not be offered for sale at any price. It hasn't happened yet. But it seems to me that the logical outcome, the bitter end of this struggle between those in charge of the monetary system and we the people is going to be focused on, on that. That gold and silver will not be available in exchange for paper money, and it could be US dollar, could be Australian dollar, could be Russian ruble, it could be the renminbi, renminbi of the Chinese government, 
none of this will be acceptable in exchange for gold and silver. This is coming. And the question is just how soon? Well, we don't know. But be prepared that it's not the same as hyperinflation. In a hyperinflationary situation, all prices are go sky high, and gold and silver is just one of them. But I can see that gold and silver will not be available for sale at any price, yet crude oil will still be trading at a finite price. And this could, could last. It's very difficult to make any definite predictions, but I can see this, which would be another unique development, which has never happened. All the previous collapses of national monetary systems involved all prices, without exception, going uh, sky high. And therefore, the fact that gold and silver was among them was not so conspicuous. But, but don't expect this to be repeated. It could be that certain commodities will still be trading as if it was, uh, as, as if the economy was still producing these things and everything was under control. So the government will, uh, will uh, have an argument, well, you see those uh, precious metals are behaving or misbehaving because we are still uh, we'll still have a working oil market we still have a working grain market we have this and that so uh, it's the speculators blame it on 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 uh, evil people who try to discredit <coughs> the uh, uh, the uh, paper currencies. And of course you know it's not the speculators. What happens is that uh, the monetary commodities, the monetary metals, and there are only two of them, gold and silver, are no longer available in exchange for paper money. That's what is happening. The, uh, there is a process whereby all sources of gold and silver are drying up. And this is not because they are scarce, it's not because there are evil people are hoarding them, it's because almost everybody will wake up at one point and realize that if you want to survive this this uh, terrible event, this uh, new depression of the 21st century, then you have to have a lifesaver at least. And you are not trading your lifesaver, you are hanging on to it because you know if you don't need it today you may very well need it tomorrow. So uh, it, it's like the sinking of a big ship. Think of Titanic. There are no, not enough uh, lifeboats available, but there might be enough lifesavers <laughs> available, and don't expect that people who have 
one will be willing to trade it. I don't think there will be a market for it. Once everybody realizes that the boat is sinking and there are not enough lifeboats to take care of the passengers, then uh, all trade will dry up in the lifesavers. People are not going to uh, offer you a lifesaver, whatever uh, money, uh, amount of money are you are willing to uh, offer. So this is the problem. The problem is that that uh, the managers of the international monetary system uh, completely miscalculated, and they don't have the the, the crudest understanding of what a monetary metal is. They just don't. They think it's the government who can create wealth by uh, sprinkling a little bit of ink on little scraps of paper and that's creating wealth, that's creating credit and pumping these out into the circulation will take of problems. This is simply a lie and I think that governments, academia, and the financial press, they will not live down this. This is just a, 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 an enormous <coughs> uh, falsification and uh, the responsibility rests with these uh, people that includes the major part of the economic, ec the economist's <coughs> profession. I'm sad to say, they sold out. They uh, have, they allowed their discipline to be tainted, tainted by, um, by uh, the, the Keynesian and Friedmanite theory and as far as they are concerned the world could suffer, the world could take the consequences but they want to preserve their, their uh, theories and their power. So that's, that's the way I look at it. Uh, and I'm sorry that I can't give you any any optimistic message to take with you. Although, just barely, it's just barely possible that one country or a number of countries, and they could be small countries, would opt out from this sink, big sinking ship by opening the mint to gold and silver. Uh, there is a possibility. I'm not optimistic about that because the, they, their thinking is colored by this power grab which is involved in this. It's, it's never to give the power to the people to create money. Remember, opening the mint to gold and silver is giving the power to the people to create money because it 
invites people to bring forward the gold and silver and then uh, returning the same value to them in a coined form. And the coin of the realm is just uh, a facility whereby gold and silver is, is recognized as money and become um, suitable for trade without the uh, laborious processes of checking fineness and checking weight and all that because once it's coined and you accept that the mint uh, doesn't cheat then it's enough to count the coins which is a simple procedure as compared with uh, assaying and uh, weighing uh, coins so, or gold so it is possible I uh, and if you like I give you this ray of hope that there might just be some governments uh, and I'm sure soon enough they'll be branded rogue government or terrorist government or any other of these unpleasant labels which the which you hear from the government of the United States uh, and I'm sure a large part of these and so-called anti-terrorist measures are not anti-terrorist but they are just uh, a pretext uh, uh, an excuse for introducing more control over the lives of people including their ownership of uh, monetary metals. They, uh, they would not admit that this bothers them perhaps even more than the thought of terrorists getting into um, the country and blowing up towers and bridges or whatnot or subways uh, but they are afraid of the pe- more and more people getting uh, gold and silver, the monetary metals, without uh, releasing them. Because a lot of this gold and silver, which is taking off the market by people of small means, is, is not going to return until, uh, until the present monetary system totally collapses. And this is a difference between what is happening now and what happened in say 1971 when there was a similar movement into gold and silver but as the price exploded this coaxed out a lot of silver and a lot of gold back into the market so when in 1980 silver hits something between 45 and 50 dollars an ounce and gold hit something like 850 uh, up to 875 dollars the actual figures are not important but these were very high prices at the time then I remember I was in Toronto and people 
lined up in front of banks such as the Bank of Nova Scotia for example which at that time was the, one of the largest uh, outlet for gold and silver and you could ask people in the queue are you buying are you selling and you would find about 50-50 so there was for every buyer there was a seller I don't think this will happen this time if if you see queues of people in in front of banks uh, they will be buyers until the supply lasts and when the supply ran out that will be it then the basis becomes permanently uh, negative uh, you have a backwardation a permanent backwardation and that is the end of the international monetary system of course as I say other markets may still carry on for different periods of time there might still be food available there might still be uh, oil available gasoline what have you but the writing is on the wall this is the the end of the monetary system other producers will take a leaf from the book of, of uh, those who have the gold and silver and they are not going to give up real goods and real services in exchange for paper promises which uh, are not exchangeable for the monetary metals at any price. That's the way I see it. And as I say, I am shocked that the time horizon I originally visualized is not there because it, things are happening faster and uh, I, I see this process irre irreversible. The previous crisis came and then the world worked its way out. This is different. Here, whatever is happening is going to deepen the crisis. And this is, this is the sad part of it and also the, uh, the lack of information because all the information you are getting from the government, getting from academia, getting from the press, including the financial press, is, is tainted. Is, you cannot rely on it. This is, this is uh, most unfortunate. I think it really, I, I ha have difficulty in finding the words to describe this. It has never happened in history. If, if, uh, if uh, professors, researchers were trying to cheat in one country, there were always other countries where the professors, researchers would point out and, and therefore you couldn't get away with cheating. And now this is 
this is happening for the first time that in the whole world you cannot rely on any kind of expert opinion when it comes to economics, when it comes to monetary science. This is most unfortunate. And that's where we are. Let's not kid ourselves about it. We, uh, we are being led down the, uh, the slope and, and we are led down to disaster and that's what's happening and, and the people at large are left without any, any proper guidance. So uh, I, I will finish with saying just one uh, little uh, couple of sentences about the gold mining industry. I was planning to have at least one session on the bases and gold mining because the bases is a fan would be should be a fantastic tool for the gold mining industry. I think if you look back at history, and uh, for example, United States and Canada, which has these two countries had lots of gold mines, productive, good quality uh, gold mines, they still do. But in the year 1971, when President Nixon, they say, closed the gold window, but a better word would be when he defaulted on the international gold obligations of the United States. That's a true, truer description of what happened. At that time, of course, as, as you recall, the gold price started increasing. And the gold mines reacted by running in and pr producing more and more and more gold. And they sold an enormous amount of gold at the ridiculous price of, uh, say, $100 and then $200. And the more, higher the price went, the more gold they were producing and selling. Now, in retrospect, it was a very foolish thing for them to do. They should have uh, said that gold is not available against paper money. We just have to uh, use a better strategy than putting all the gold which we have on the market. And if they had studied the basis, they would have found a way around this because they would have created a fund controlled fully by, so I'm talking about a certain gold mine. When they were, when that gold mine was facing that situation, and the same thing would be applicable today, then they would say, we are putting our out output in that fund. This is our own fund, and we are trading. Now, 
they could have introduced bimetallic arbitrage. Some gold mines also produce silver, but some don't. Regardless, they could have started an arbitrage. In other words, they could have, uh, if they sold the gold in the open market, they would have uh, moved uh, their assets into silver and then follow the basis to you see the the gold mine has a problem it has a payroll to meet it has uh, capital depreciation which has to be taken care of in other words if you keep producing you have to re replace periodically your equipment and so on the, there might be rents and utility bills and so on so a gold mine cannot just say we are closing down all operations because we don't trust paper money. They can't do that. <laughs> they just have to keep producing. But it's insane to keep <laughs> producing um, at, at, a, at a higher rate than previously when the, uh, the uh, monetary system is about to collapse. So then they invented that absolutely insane idea of forward selling. They called it hedging, but it's not hedging. What they were doing is they were selling forward their future output going out several years, as, as uh, many as five years, and in some cases even 15 years into the future, which is absolutely insane. And it as as we predicted it, I certainly did predict it, but I wasn't alone. Uh, as we predicted it at the time, it would end in a disaster. And it did end in a disaster, as you may recall, that today this so-called hedging, which was the, uh, the, the, the wonderful new idea, uh, it, it was a fiasco, and, and they all had to admit it. And what happened? They didn't learn their lesson. We tried to have a seminar, a conference, a discussion, inviting the gold mines to discuss true hedging. That was not hedging, that was forward selling. But if you combine forward selling with forward buying, in other words, when the gold price drops the gold mine could step in and buy and the speculators would take notice well as it was they knew that once the gold price went up the gold mines would be selling so the speculators abandoned the long side of the market and moved on block to the short side so this was a complete distortion of the market because of the absolutely foolish uh, marketing policy of the gold mines. But I there are proper ways of hedging and as I uh, mentioned this bilateral uh, hedging which means that the forward selling would be compensated by foreign buying would restore the level field which became tilted by that uh, stupid um, 
hedging policy. They call it hedging, but of course this was uh, a misnomer. So there you are. Here is an industry, an important industry, providing uh, the uh, producing the monetary metal gold and of course the same applies to silver and they made a bad mistake which should have made them ashamed and admit their mistakes and none of that happened they although gave up this forward selling policy but uh, it's they still don't follow the right path so as a result gold is still flowing to the market and perhaps to a lesser extent silver also does but you can be sure that this will come to an end because the basis doesn't lie and the basis tells us that this is a process which is going to end and end in a similar disaster so ladies and gentlemen thank you again for your attendance I would like to keep in touch with you. We'll try to answer every inquiry which you may feel to forward to me. And I wish you uh, good luck in these uh, very difficult times. And we'll take some questions now. Okay. Yes. Uh, Professor, thank you very much for your words of wisdom. I really appreciate it. I'd just like to follow on from what you've just been saying in regard to gold mining companies. One of my life jackets in the lifeboat, so to speak, is gold mining shares. How do you see them performing in the next just a year, given that the statement you made that uh, the market will dry up, so to speak, it won't be attainable at any price? And can you see the uh, possibility of, say, nationalisation of gold something like that in the future? Uh, you have to have. Did you? Did you? Did you I was listening no. to. So. <laughs> <laughs> Could you repeat it? Yeah, repeat the question. I think yeah. Yeah. Could you repeat the question, please? Oh, basically, I'm just asking um, in regard to the gold mining sector. Uh, given the mistakes they've made in the past, how do you see them performing in the future? Say, for example, <laughs> the next two years, should we literally have a, a destruction of the monetary system as you speak? Um, will they become? Uh, something to invest in, or will they, will they be nationalised, or have you got any ideas on that, or any sort of opinion? Um, well, I have gone on record mm -hmm. to recommend people to sell gold mining shares, and I'm not saying which ones because I don't trust any one of them. I just simply don't. I mean, they all follow that insane policy of going all out, producing all the gold they can, and then putting it on the market, rather than doing something more intelligent along the lines of basis trading. Uh, you see, they are trading the price instead of trading the basis. If they could start trading the basis, I would say, or, or I was aware that one or two at least would be pioneers and shift from trading the price to trading the basis then I would suggest that yes there is a movement so watch for those minds which do this and you will be rewarded 
But as it is, it's not happening. And I went out. I did what a, a, a humble university professor can do in telling the gold mining industry to start trading the basis. This is exactly what happened uh, to grain merchandising. In the beginning they all traded the price and uh, this the results were not satisfactory so they gradually shifted to trading the basis in the grain merchandising business. And uh, it would have been reasonable to assume that the same thing will happen to mining. It hasn't happened. So at that point I went on record and issued a warning to shareholders of gold mines to sell their shares and invest the proceeds into physical gold. And the same applies to silver. Now, of course, my voice is just uh, uh, a cry in the wilderness, and uh, I'm not saying I could create a movement, and that wasn't really my purpose. I, it was just my sincere desire that those who were interested in my ideas should be warned in advance that there will be a disaster if, if for instance, the basis starts falling into this bottomless pit, which means the gold price goes sky high. This won't follow automatically that gold mining shares will follow suit. And a lot of people will be will have to be taking a loss. So I'm, I'm, I, I would say I, I don't see any any uh, salvation for the gold. This is just too much. Uh, maybe there's a conspiracy. I don't know. They may have been bought off by the government. I I, I don't like to speculate on that. But their their policy is leading to disaster. The gold mine. It's it's not promising at all. So the, 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 they have also lost capital. I have uh, given various talks and written papers on that, that the falling interest rate structure has a consequence, which is the erosion of capital. First, we thought that it only applied to producers of food stuff and uh, consumer goods and so on. And then later on we found that no, it's also applicable to the banks. We haven't yet found out, but I think the gold mining industry is suffering the same fate. There are certain signals. They, for instance, their uh, production costs um, are uh, are off the map. They are going sky high without really any justification that what, what is happening to my mind is destruction of the capital of the gold mines because they cannot treat the gold locked up in gold ore deposits deep down. 
and treat it as if it was gold in the bank vault. It's not the same thing. You have to work very hard. They know better than any one of us how hard it is to extract that gold. So I don't know if this is any help uh, in answering your <laughs> question. <laughs> He's not smiling. No. Follow on to that, maybe, uh, I guess, uh, because it is, I get that question all the time too, aren't gold stocks as good as gold? And I point out that in a, in a crisis, they may not be able to produce any gold. Uh, would you agree with that statement that even if a gold company enters uh, a situation where we have complete backwardation, uh, terminal backwardation in both metals, uh, that they may have difficulty continuing to produce even if they now wanted to produce you know, the metal that was being properly valued and, and could sell it. Is that, uh, does that tie in with your uh, yes. comment yes. on capital I, I think that's coming. In other words, if gold goes to permanent backwardation to the extent that nobody can deny it anymore, the uh, the uh, there will be an upheaval in the gold mines because they would like to keep producing at the same time their capital just like the banks so this was sprung on the world without any notice but the banks went belly up there's no no advance warning nothing same thing would happen due to the gold mines and uh, people might even try to invade the gold mine and being naive that it's just you have to go there and <laughs> pick, pick it, it pick it yeah, up. <laughs> won't work so so there there you know there could be a, a veritable revolution yes professor a question again the destruction of the international monetary system if it were possible or practical to gather together all the derivatives and cancel them and to allow insolvent organizations to simply go insolvent rather than paying them out would that be a better option than things traveling along as they are now or would even that still result in the destruction of that monetary system He's, uh, he's posing a hypothetical, an extreme hypothetical. <laughs> and he's posing, I think he's asking the question, if you could cancel out all the derivatives, if you could, if you could uh, sort of cleanse the system, would that, wouldn't that be preferable to letting it go in the direction that it's going? And going in the direction? That it's going now. If it were you're saying it's, if it were possible to do the impossible, would that be better than the probable? Probable <laughs> <laughs> is just down the road. <laughs> I, 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 you see, this derivative monster is just too big. It's, it boggles the mind. I mean, when you are talking about one quadrillion dollars, you are talking about values which simply don't exist in this world. But what this measures is the outstanding debt in the world, or approximates it, which could be even larger, because a lot of things which are real debt in the world is not represented in the derivatives. So. To say that you can 
dismantle this from one day to the other by government proclamation is is not possible. It's not possible. It's just too big. It and and uh, it would cause a, a revolution. The blood would start flowing on the streets earlier rather than later, because all the pension funds, all the insurance, and all the savings and so on, paper savings. See, gold and silver are exceptions because they are ultimate liquidators of debt. Gold and silver, the only ones. The only assets which are ultimate liquidators of that. They are not part of it. But anything else is. And if you try to dismantle it, then you are destroying the savings of of the population of the world, with the exception of those few, and I hope everybody in this room is protected to some extent at least, you know, uh, because you have come to realize that there is a need for protection and I hope you look at your holdings of gold and silver more like looking at an insurance than an investment which you want to trade later. Um, I think you are better off with that kind of mentality that you have an insurance which you would not liquidate except as a last resort when you really have to buy food or medicine or So, I don't see the possibility I for... Either, but I wanted to see what your thoughts were, and for me, therefore, that underlines the fact that the... of the extreme likelihood that the whole system is going to fall over. Because it can't support that amount of debt that's represented out there in those rivers. It can't stay there. It's going to collapse. Yes? Okay. Any other questions? Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, professor, what's the difference between my rough box 100% gold standard and your unadulterated gold standard? Oh, is he? If you let it go long enough, someone's going to bring something like that up. <laughs> he asked the question. He said, boy, right at the end, what is the difference between Murray Rothbard's 100% gold standard and your, what is the version? Unadulterated. 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 Yeah. Well, the, there's a world of difference. Unadulterated gold standard, the way I define it, and it's accessible on the internet. If you don't know what it is, you can access it and read it. But basically what it is, is a gold standard which allows real bills trading. And Murray Rothbard does not allow the, uh, real bills trading and all those who follow him uh, f will not admit that real bills trading is not inflationary because what we are talking about is assets which mature into gold soon enough and with minimum amount of risk. So my unadulterated 
gold standard would allow the bill market, trading real bills. And, and it would happen spontaneously. Because, because people, if they demand consumer goods urgently enough, then they will be willing to give up gold. I mean, they have to eat, they have to buy clothes, they have to keep themselves warm in the winter, and there are other urgent needs which they have to cover. And when it comes to that, they will release the gold coin. So, so these real bills are not like other financial assets, such as bonds, long-term, uh, loans and so on. They are as close to gold as, or silver as possible. They are not identical but within at most 90 days they will mature into gold. And if uh, th there is any difficulty it will be clear uh, soon enough. And you don't need banks for that. In fact, banks would be so discredited, I, I would say, that after such a collapse, banks will not call themselves banks anymore because the name has been discredited and completely uh, unacceptable for uh, continuing business under that name. They would have to invent some other name, whether it's credit union or this or that. But government. <laughs> yeah, they call themselves government. <laughs> I just want to point out the issue of, uh, of real bills was discussed for those who are curious about it at Gold Standard University session three. Yes. Wasn't it Dallas? Yes. yes. And more recently in, in Santa Clara, I just came this month earlier before I came to Australia I was in California and I had an address uh, at the Santa Clara University on that and this is on the internet so you can well, read it. I, I, I know, I read it all completely. Not just for my benefit, I just wanted to hear you say yeah. it as well, you see. What I'm curious about is, we are going to have the collapse, so when the collapse comes in, we've got to have something that starts up almost immediately. It has to be the real bills. It can't be anything else as far as I can see. I was wondering if, if it, you think it's just going to be spontaneous. It's just going to come straight out. It's a natural thing. The real bills will just come into force again. Yes, yeah. yes. That, that will be spontaneous and I, I also explain it why. Because people have to eat, people have to buy clothes, people have to buy fuel in the winter and so on. So, uh, you know... <laughs> what it does, you see, it gives us 91 days before we have to, to clear. start yeah. using gold. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. the cracks comes, paper money is not worth anything, um, we've got a, 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 a period of 91 days before we have to, before everybody can start using gold. So I'm very grateful to you to bring it up because I, I said that we have a ray of hope and I didn't mention this but this is the other ray of hope that the real bill circulation will 
arise spontaneously, but please remember that without circulating gold coins there is no possibility of real bill circulation because what does it mean that a real bill matures into Federal Reserve notes? <laughs> well, a real bill is far superior to a Federal Reserve note, even in the best of circumstances. But when the monetary system is collapsed, saying as it is, then uh, the Federal Reserve note is completely discredited. So uh, if you try to say that, okay, we have real bills and they'll mature into Federal, this, this will not be acceptable to people at large. So uh, just the last uh, thing in answering your question, I uh, mentioned what, uh, what I mean by unadulterated gold standard. In contrast with previous historic gold standards, what we need is a gold standard which will rule out borrowing short and lending long. And there are various different uh, uh, transactions which are basically borrowing short and lending long in, uh, under disguise. And that has to be outlawed. It has to be, and also the gold standard has to be sanctioned by the Constitution. Although it's not a real protection, as the U.S. example shows, because it's still in, there. in the Constitution. They did not have the moral uh, uh, courage to propose a constitutional amendment, even though they forced Switzerland to change their constitution. But in the United States, they never had the moral courage to go through a constitutional amendment. In the trick they did in, used in Switzerland was to give something like a week for discussion on that proposal that it was in the Swiss constitution that money is gold. And then they bought, they lumped a lot of other issues into that changing the constitution so this became just a small part of it and they gave one week for people to discuss and object if they wanted to and of course i mean this just so they used such an underhanded way but in the united states didn't even try didn't even try wouldn't pass muster you got the yeah. So the United States has an unconstitutional monetary system and it's going to collapse. And in the post-mortem this will be pointed out. If I'm still around, <laughs> I will do my very best to point out that you it serves you well. You that's what happens when you ignore and allow your constitution to be ignored. That's what happens. And, and there we are. The way I see it, if the real bill doesn't happen, if it doesn't come in, we're going to head down into fascism pretty quick. Unless the real bills come in, 
But I don't say that it's not real bills that will happen. I mean, if you're a supplier of Woolworths, you have to give them 90 days credit. You know, there's already credit in play, you know, so in that part of the value chain, you know, people will give credit to retailers because I know that retailers are getting gold and they'll be able to pay them back soon. So I don't even think, I mean, a lot of business operates without no, it yeah. just operates on like, extending no. credit to the person supplying your business. Well, that's credit. That's a different thing again. Well, yeah. no, if I'm a company and I'm just saying I'll supply you goods and, you know, you'll pay them three days' time, that's real bills. Brian, you need it to form a replacement for the Treasury bill market, the commercial paper market. That's what real That's what real bills will do. Yeah, you have to circulate that. Drive you need that you need that you the DVD of Session 3, Gold Standard University, with Professor Fekete discussing real bills, their origin, their place, and their play, and their appropriateness will be available, as will be available in the future of this session here too. And we're, it's going through the process of being produced, and uh, and 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 um, so these these valuable thoughts, and they are valuable, will be able to be referenced and looked at and understood by hopefully more people than you know than those here, and and we're just lucky that we're going to be able to do these things, and we're. Lucky that you, we have somebody like you who thinks about these things <laughs> in a time of ignorance. In a time of ignorance, that my feeling is that we are so fortunate to have Professor Fekete with us at this time to be discussing issues from a level of clarity and integrity and need that I just haven't seen out there. And um, I, I, for one, am absolutely honored to have known this man and to have learned from him what he's had to teach or what I've been able to learn. <laughs> There's a difference between the two. And, um, and I think that uh, all of us feel that way about you, Professor. Well, thank you very much. This is Let me just say something. <laughs> In all humility, I would like to add that I am a professional mathematician, and as such, I have taken trouble to go through that enormous amount of garbage which, which the. Uh, Keynesian economists and Friedmanite economists produced, it's just mumbo-jumbo, uh, dressed up in mathematical formulas and, and uh, uh, a language which is almost unintelligible to the average person. Now, I did it as a professional mathematician and I can tell you and I'm aware of my responsibility as a scientist and a mathematician that it's just smoke and mirrors. There is no truth to it. Of course, there are exceptions because if somebody is studying a specific economic problem, it could be agricultural economics or this or that. I'm not saying that mathematics cannot be applied in economics in a valid and truthful way. But when it comes to justifying the irredeemable paper money system, 
but it's all lies. It's 100% garbage and lies. And uh, as I say, I I am aware of my responsibility. I'm putting my own reputation on the line that it's not worth bothering reading because you won't find any truth in it. And what we are seeing is a complete discreditation of that very sad chapter in the history of science. What happened to economics during the past uh, 70 or so years is an absolute disaster. And this is uh, unfortunate that the world now has to pay the price for that. So I just wanted to share this thought with you that I am coming into this from a rather special direction, from the direction of mathematics, and I was appalled by the amount of lies and garbage which is thrown uh, on the population of the world, and a lot of people uh, has, have fallen for it. Very, very unfortunate. But that's the truth, and let's face it. So. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thanks, Professor, um, uh, as a token of everybody's uh, thanks for, for what you've done for us, I'd like to give you first this card, which everyone has signed. Thank and uh, also this, which, um, although it's, it's a golden colour, it isn't actually gold, but it is, <laughs> it is, uh, it is very recognisably uh, Australian. Thank you oh, very much. Well, thank you. Thank you very much, Marcus. Thank you all. And, and, uh, and this is a very memorable event for me and for... <laughs> for my wife, Judith, who, whom I'm sure by now you all, you all uh, have... Who has a, by the way, has a doctorate in dismal science. <laughs> that, that's very, very kind of you. Thank you. Thanks, Thank you. I would love to come back to Australia if there is ever a chance, and I hope we will see better days. These are, unfortunately, very difficult times. Well, Thank um, you. I'm sure we can organize, uh, organize to get you back. <laughs> well, and I know that I want to spend longer next time if I come back, because this, this was a bad mistake on our part not to allow for at least an extra week to travel around in Australia. I certainly appreciate Canberra, which is a beautiful city, and the, possibly the cleanest city I have ever been to of, of this size. This is amazing, and I, I really appreciate that. It's, it's a result of the system. And also from the floor, Ron and Nathan, and also the great camera people. Done such a yeah. fantastic job the last four days. Thank you all. Yeah.